0: Section One of Tarzan the Terrible by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tarzan the Terrible by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter One The Pithecanthropus. Silent as the shadows through which he moved, the great beast slunk through the midnight jungle, his yellow-green eyes round and staring, his sinewy tail undulating behind him, his head lowered and flattened, and every muscle vibrant to the thrill of the hunt. The jungle moon dappled an occasional clearing which the great cat was always careful to avoid though he moved through thick verdure across a carpet of innumerable twigs broken branches and leaves his passing gave forth no sound that might have been apprehended by dull human ears apparently less cautious was the hunted thing moving even as silently as the lion a hundred paces ahead of the tawny carnivore for instead of skirting the moon-splashed natural clearings it passed directly across them and by the tortuous record of its spore it might indeed be guessed that it sought these avenues of least resistance as well it might since unlike its grim stalker it walked erect upon two feet it walked upon two feet and was hairless except for a black thatch upon its head its arms were well shaped and muscular its hands powerful and slender with long tapering fingers and thumbs reaching almost to the first joint of the index fingers its legs too were shapely but its feet departed from the standards of all races of men except possibly a few of the lowest races in that the great toes protruded at right angles from the foot pausing momentarily in the full light of the gorgeous african moon the creature turned an attentive ear to the rear and then his head lifted his features might readily have been discerned in the moonlight they were strong clean-cut and regular features that would have attracted attention for their masculine beauty in any of the great capitals of the world but was this thing a man it would have been hard for a watcher in the trees to have decided as the lion's prey resumed its way across the silver tapestry that luna had laid upon the floor of the dismal jungle for from beneath the loin cloth of black fur that girdled its thighs there depended a long hairless white tail in one hand the creature carried a stout club and suspended at its left side from a shoulder-belt was a short sheathed knife while a cross-belt supported a pouch at its right hip confining these straps to the body and also apparently supporting the loin-cloth was a broad girdle which glittered in the moonlight as though encrusted with virgin gold and was clasped in the center of the belly with a huge buckle of ornate design that scintillated as with precious stones closer and closer crept numa the lion to his intended victim and that the latter was not entirely unaware of his danger was evidenced by the increasing frequency with which he turned his ear and his sharp black eyes in the direction of the cat upon his tail he did not greatly increase his speed a long swinging walk where the open paces permitted but he loosened the knife in its scabbard and at all times kept his club in readiness for instant action forging at last through a narrow strip of dense jungle vegetation the man-thing broke through into an almost treeless area of considerable extent for an instant he hesitated glancing quickly behind him and then up at the security of the branches of the great trees waving overhead but some greater urge than fear or caution influenced his decision apparently for he moved off again across the little plain leaving the safety of the trees behind him at greater or less intervals leafy sanctuaries dotted the grassy expanse ahead of him and the route he took leading from one to another indicated that he had not entirely cast discretion to the winds but after the second tree had been left behind the distance to the next was considerable and it was then that numa walked from the concealing cover of the jungle and seeing his quarry apparently helpless before him raised his tail stiffly erect and charged two months two long weary months filled with hunger with thirst with hardships with disappointment and greater than all with gnawing pain had passed since tarzan of the apes learned from the diary of the dead german captain that his wife still lived a brief investigation in which he was enthusiastically aided by the intelligence department of the british east african expedition revealed the fact that an attempt had been made to keep lady jane in hiding in the interior for reasons of which only the German high command might be cognizant. In charge of Lieutenant Obergatz and a detachment of native German troops, she had been sent across the border into the Congo Free State. Starting out alone in search of her, Tarzan had succeeded in finding the village in which she had been incarcerated, only to learn that she had escaped months before, and that the German officer had disappeared at the same time. From there on the stories of the chiefs and the warriors whom he quizzed were vague and often contradictory. Even the direction that the fugitives had taken Tarzan could only guess at by piecing together bits of fragmentary evidence gleaned from various sources. Sinister conjectures were forced upon him by various observations which he made in the village. One was incontrovertible proof that these people were man-eaters the other the presence in the village of various articles of native german uniforms and equipment at great risk and in the face of surly objection on the part of the chief the ape-man made a careful inspection of every hut in the village from which at least a little ray of hope resulted from the fact that he found no article that might have belonged to his wife leaving the village he had made his way toward the southwest crossing after the most appalling hardships a vast waterless steppe covered for the most part with dense thorn coming at last into a district that had probably never been previously entered by any white man and which was known only in the legends of the tribes whose country bordered it here were precipitous mountains well-watered plateaus wide plains and vast swampy morasses but neither the plains nor the plateaus nor the mountains were accessible to him until after weeks of arduous effort he succeeded in finding a spot where he might cross the morasses a hideous stretch infested by venomous snakes and other dangerous reptiles on several occasions he glimpsed at distances or by night what might have been titanic reptilian monsters but as there were hippopotami rhinoceri and elephants in great numbers in and about the marsh he was never positive that the forms he saw were not of these when at last he stood upon firm ground after crossing the morasses he realized why it was that for perhaps countless ages this territory had defied the courage and hardihood of the heroic races of the outer world that had after innumerable reverses and unbelievable suffering penetrated to practically every other region from pole to pole from the abundance and diversity of the game it might have appeared that every known species of bird and beast and reptile had sought here a refuge wherein they might take their last stand against the encroaching multitudes of men that had steadily spread themselves over the surface of the earth wresting the hunting-grounds from the lower orders from the moment that the first ape shed his hair and ceased to walk upon his knuckles Even the species with which Tarzan was familiar showed here either the results of a divergent line of evolution or an unaltered form that had been transmitted without variation for countless ages. Two, there were many hybrid strains, not the least interesting of which to Tarzan was a yellow-and-black striped lion. Smaller than the species with which Tarzan was familiar, but still a most formidable beast since it possessed, in addition to sharp saber-like canines, the disposition of a devil to tarzan it presented evidence that tigers had once roamed the jungles of africa possibly giant saber-tooths of another epoch and these apparently had crossed with lions with the resultant terrors that he occasionally encountered at the present day the true lions of this new old world differed but little from those with which he was familiar in size and conformation they were almost identical but instead of shedding the leopard spots of cubhood They retained them through life as definitely marked as those of the leopard. Two months of effort had revealed no slightest evidence that she he sought had entered this beautiful yet forbidding land. His investigation, however, of the cannibal village and his questioning of other tribes in the neighborhood had convinced him that if Lady Jane still lived it must be in this direction that he seek her, since by a process of elimination he had reduced the direction of her flight to only this possibility. How she had crossed the morass he could not guess, and yet something within seemed to urge upon him belief that she had crossed it, and that if she still lived it was here that she must be sought. But this unknown, untraversed wild was of vast extent. Grim, forbidding mountains blocked his way, torrents tumbling from rocky fastnesses impeded his progress, and at every turn he was forced to match wits and muscles with the great carnivora that he might procure sustenance time and again tarzan and numa stocked the same quarry and now one now the other bore off the prize seldom however did the ape-man go hungry for the country was rich in game animals and birds and fish in fruit and the countless other forms of vegetable life upon which the jungle bred man may subsist tarzan often wondered why in so rich a country he found no evidences of man and had at last come to the conclusion that the parched thorn-covered steppe and the hideous morasses had formed a sufficient barrier to protect this country effectively from the inroads of mankind after days of searching he had succeeded finally in discovering a pass through the mountains and coming down upon the opposite side had found himself in a country practically identical with that which he had left the hunting was good and at a water-hole in the mouth of a canyon where it debouched upon a tree-covered plain bara the deer fell an easy victim to the ape-man's cunning it was just at dusk the voices of great four-footed hunters rose now and again from various directions and as the cannon afforded among its trees no comfortable retreat the ape-man shouldered the carcass of the deer and started downward onto the plain at its opposite side rose lofty trees a great forest which suggested to his practiced eye a mighty jungle Toward this the ape-man bent his step, but when midway of the plain he discovered standing alone such a tree as best suited him for a night's abode, swung lightly to its branches and, presently, a comfortable resting-place. Here he ate the flesh of bara, and when satisfied carried the balance of the carcass to the opposite side of the tree, where he deposited it far above the ground in a secure place returning to his crotch he settled himself for sleep and in another moment the roars of the lions and the howlings of the lesser cats fell upon deaf ears the usual noises of the jungle composed rather than disturbed the ape-man but an unusual sound however imperceptible to the awakened ear of civilized man seldom failed to impinge upon the consciousness of tarzan however deep his slumber and so it was that when the moon was high a sudden rush of feet across the grassy carpet in the vicinity of his tree brought him to alert and ready activity tarzan does not awaken as you and i with the weight of slumber still upon his eyes and brain for did the creatures of the wild awaken thus their awakenings would be few as his eyes snapped open clear and bright so clear and bright upon the nerve centers of his brain were registered the various perceptions of all his senses almost beneath him racing toward the tree was what at first glance appeared to be an almost naked white man yet even at the first instant of discovery the long white tail projecting rearward did not escape the ape-man behind the fleeing figure escaping came numa the lion in full charge voiceless the prey voiceless the killer as two spirits in a dead world the two moved in silent swiftness toward the culminating tragedy of this grim race even as his eyes opened and took in the scene beneath him even in that brief instant of perception followed reason judgment and decision so rapidly one upon the heels of the other that almost simultaneously the ape-man was in mid-air for he had seen a white-skinned creature cast in a mould similar to his own pursued by tarzan's hereditary enemy so close was the lion to the fleeing man thing that tarzan had no time carefully to choose the method of his attack as a diver leaps from the springboard head foremost into the waters beneath so tarzan of the apes dove straight for numa the lion naked in his right hand the blade of his father that so many times before had tasted the blood of lions a raking talon caught tarzan on the side inflicting a long deep wound and then the ape-man was on numa's back and the blade was sinking again and again into the savage side nor was the man-thing either longer fleeing or idle He too, creature of the wild, had sensed on the instant the truth of the miracle of his saving, and turning in his tracks had leaped forward with raised bludgeon to Tarzan's assistance and Numa's undoing. A single terrific blow upon the flattened skull of the beast laid him insensible, and then as Tarzan's knife found the wild heart a few convulsive shudders, and a sudden relaxation marked the passing of the carnivore. Leaping to his feet, the ape-man placed his foot upon the carcass of his kill and, raising his voice to Goro the moon, voiced the savage victory cry that had so often awakened the echoes of his native jungle. As the hideous scream burst from the ape-man's lips, the man-thing stepped quickly back as in sudden awe, but when Tarzan returned his hunting-knife to its sheath and turned toward him, the other saw in the quiet dignity of his demeanor no cause for apprehension. For a moment the two stood appraising each other, and then the Man-Thing spoke. Tarzan realized that the creature before him was uttering articulate sounds which expressed in speech, though in a language with which Tarzan was unfamiliar, the thoughts of a man possessing to a greater or less extent the same powers of reason that he possessed. In other words, that though the creature before him had the tail and thumbs and great toes of a monkey, it was, in all other respects, quite evidently a man the blood which was now flowing down tarzan's side caught the creature's attention from the pocket pouch at his side he took a small bag and approaching tarzan indicated by signs that he wished the ape-man to lie down that he might treat the wound whereupon spreading the edges of the cut apart he sprinkled the raw flesh with powder from the little bag the pain of the wound was as nothing to the exquisite torture of the remedy but accustomed to physical suffering the ape-man withstood it stoically and in a few moments not only had the bleeding ceased but the pain as well in reply to the soft and far from unpleasant modulations of the other's voice tarzan spoke in various tribal dialects of the interior as well as in the language of the great apes but it was evident that the man understood none of these seeing that they could not make each other understood the pithecanthropus advanced towards tarzan and placing his left hand over his own heart laid the palm of his right hand over the heart of the ape-man to the latter the action appeared as a form of friendly greeting, and being versed in the ways of uncivilized races, he responded in kind as he realized it was doubtless intended that he should. His action seemed to satisfy and please his new-found acquaintance, who immediately fell to talking again, and finally, with his head tipped back, sniffed the air in the direction of the tree above them, and then suddenly pointing toward the carcass of bara, the deer, he touched his stomach in a sign language which even the densest might interpret with a wave of his hand tarzan invited his guest to partake of the remains of his savage repast and the other leaping nimbly as a little monkey to the lower branches of the tree made his way quickly to the flesh assisted always by his long strong sinuous tail the pithecanthropus ate in silence cutting small strips from the deer's loin with his keen knife from his crotch in the tree tarzan watched his companion noting the preponderance of human attributes which were doubtless accentuated by the paradoxical thumbs great toes and tail he wondered if this creature was representative of some strange race or if what seemed more likely but an atavism either supposition would have seemed preposterous enough did he not have before him the evidence of the creature's existence there he was however a tailed man with distinctly arboreal hands and feet his trappings gold-encrusted and jewel-studded could have been wrought only by skilled artisans but whether they were the work of this individual or of others like him or of an entirely different race tarzan could not of course determine his meal finished the guest wiped his fingers and lips with leaves broken from a nearby branch looked up at tarzan with a pleasant smile that revealed a row of strong white teeth the canines of which were no longer than tarzan's own "'spoke a few words which Tarzan judged were a polite expression of thanks, "'and then sought a comfortable place in the tree for the night. "'The earth was shadowed in darkness which precedes the dawn "'when Tarzan was awakened by a violent shaking of the tree "'in which he had found shelter. "'As he opened his eyes he saw that his companion was also astir, "'and glancing around quickly to apprehend the cause of the disturbance, "'the ape-man was astounded at the sight which met his eyes.' The dim shadow of a colossal form reared close beside the tree, and he saw that it was the scraping of the giant body against the branches that had awakened him. That such a tremendous creature could have approached so closely without disturbing him filled Tarzan with both wonderment and chagrin. In the gloom the ape-man at first conceived the intruder to be an elephant, yet, if so, one of greater proportions than any he had ever before seen. But as the dim outlines became less indistinct, he saw on a line with his eyes and twenty feet above the ground the dim silhouette of a grotesquely serrated back that gave the impression of a creature whose each and every spinal vertebrae grew a thick heavy horn only a portion of the back was visible to the ape-man the rest of the body being lost in the dense shadows beneath the tree from whence there now arose the sound of giant jaws powerfully crunching flesh and bones From the odors that rose to the ape-man's sensitive nostrils he presently realized that beneath him was some huge reptile, feeding upon the carcass of the lion that had been slain there earlier in the night. As Tarzan's eyes, straining with curiosity, bored futilely into the dark shadows, he felt a light touch upon his shoulder, and, turning, saw that his companion was attempting to attract his attention. The creature, pressing a forefinger to his own lips to enjoin silence, attempted by pulling on tarzan's arm to indicate that they should leave at once realizing that he was in a strange country evidently infested by creatures of titanic size with the habits and powers of which he was entirely unfamiliar the ape-man permitted himself to be drawn away with the utmost caution the pithecanthropus descended the tree upon the opposite side from the great nocturnal prowler and closely followed by tarzan moved silently away through the night across the plain the ape-man was rather loath thus to relinquish an opportunity to inspect a creature which he realized was probably entirely different from anything in his past experience yet he was wise enough to know when discretion was the better part of valor and now as in the past he yielded to that law which dominates the kindred of the wild preventing them from courting disaster uselessly whose lives are sufficiently filled with danger in their ordinary routine of feeding and mating. As the rising sun dispelled the shadows of the night, Tarzan found himself again upon the verge of a great forest into which his guide plunged, taking nimbly to the branches of the trees through which he made his way with the celerity of long habitude and hereditary instinct but though aided by a prehensile tail fingers and toes the man-thing moved through the forest with no greater ease or surety than did the giant ape-man it was during this journey that tarzan recalled the wound in his side inflicted upon him the previous night by the raking talons of numa the lion and examining it was surprised to discover that not only was it painless but along its edges were no indications of inflammation the results doubtless of the antiseptic powder this strange companion had sprinkled upon it. They had proceeded for a mile or two when Tarzan's companion came to earth upon a grassy slope beneath a great tree whose branches overhung a clear brook. Here they drank, and Tarzan discovered the water to be not only deliciously pure and fresh, but of an icy temperature that indicated its rapid descent from the lofty mountains of its origin casting aside his loin cloth and weapons tarzan entered the little pool beneath the tree and after a moment emerged greatly refreshed and filled with a keen desire for breakfast as he came out of the pool he noticed his companion examining him with a puzzled expression upon his face taking the ape-man by the shoulder he turned him around so that tarzan's back was toward him and then touching the end of tarzan's spine with his forefinger He curled his own tail up over his shoulder, and, wheeling the ape-man about again, pointed first at Tarzan, and then at his own caudal appendage, a look of puzzlement upon his face, the while he jabbered excitedly in his strange tongue. The ape-man realized that probably for the first time his companion had discovered that he was tailless by nature rather than by accident, and so he called attention to his own great toes and thumbs to further impress upon the creature that they were of different species the fellow shook his head dubiously as though entirely unable to comprehend why tarzan should differ so from him but at last apparently giving the problem up with a shrug he laid aside his own harness skin and weapons and entered the pool his ablutions completed and his meagre apparel redonned he seated himself at the foot of the tree and motioning tarzan to a place beside him opened the pouch that hung at his right side taking from it strips of dried flesh and a couple of handfuls of thin-shelled nuts, with which Tarzan was unfamiliar. Seeing the other break them with his teeth and eat the kernel, Tarzan followed the example thus set him, discovering the meat to be rich and well-flavoured. The dried flesh also was far from unpalatable, though it had evidently been jerked without salt, a commodity which Tarzan imagined might be rather difficult to obtain in this locality as they ate tarzan's companion pointed to the nuts the dried meat and various other nearby objects in each instance repeating what tarzan readily discovered must be the names of these things in the creatures native language the ape-man could but smile at this evident desire on the part of his new-found acquaintance to impart to him instructions that eventually might lead to an exchange of thoughts between them Having already mastered several languages and a multitude of dialects, the ape-man felt that he could readily assimilate another, even though this appeared one entirely unrelated to any with which he was familiar. So occupied were they with their breakfast and the lesson that neither was aware of the beady eyes glittering down upon them from above. Nor was Tarzan cognizant of any impending danger until the instant that a huge hairy body leaped full upon his companion from the branches above them. End of chapter 1. Read by Don W. Jenkins. Rancho San Diego, California. shaggybark.blogspot.com.